Psalm 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In Him, He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them... Is your servant warned? In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't mind going to Sam's Club. Uh, some of you know this. I take Fridays off from, from church work, typically, and uh, now that Lois is serving as a para at Liberty Middle School, whoop, whoop, Liberty Middle School, uh, I sometimes take advantage of the fact that I'm home alone and there are errands and such that needs to be done, that need to be done, and so I'll go and run errands on Friday morning. And Sam's Club is not bad on Friday morning if you get there before lunchtime. We have a shared list that we use in our family to help us know the things that need to be picked up at Sam's Club. And um, sometimes there will be an item on the list like this. Cheese. And sometimes I won't look at the list in advance, and then I get there and I've got my big old cart and, and now I am faced with a dilemma. Should I get a block of cheese? Should I get sliced cheese? 
Maybe we're looking for a three-pound tub of cheese spread. Maybe it's not even real cheese, and we're just looking for Velveeta. Or maybe it's shredded cheese. Who knows? Who knows? Now, I know Lois, and I know the types of things that we generally cook at our home, and I am learning uh, to be more attentive to what is happening in the kitchen and what's happening in the pantry and the fridge and so on, so that when I get there, sometimes I can make an educated guess what, what kind of cheese are we looking for. But do you know what would be helpful? What would be helpful is if the item on the list said, a two-pack of finely shredded Colby Jack cheese for under $7. You can find it in the, sen- the second cooler. It's near the back. That would be really helpful for me. It would be crystal clear what I should get. There would be no confusion, no mistakes, and no disappointment when I get home with a three-pound tub of cheese spread. Now, in our home, laundry is very similar for me. I sometimes observe Lois putting laundry in and pushing all of the buttons. I love technology. There must be 20 buttons on that thing, and I just have no idea. And I've watched her, and I've observed her doing it, and I still have no idea. We've lived in this house for four years. I think Dan hooked up our washer and dryer. I still have no idea how to fire up the washer and dryer. I have to ask every time, which buttons should I push? Write them down or give them to me over the phone or a text message or whatever, because I just have no idea. We all have these types of things. Students learn about their teacher's expectations, but it's best when the teachers can be very clear. Children learn about their parents' expectations, but it's best when parents can be very clear. Employees learn how their managers and supervisors' functions and the things that make them pleasing and and, and happy But it's best when managers can be very clear about their expectations. Some facts can be known through observation and experience, but specific details require special instruction. By observing and experiencing creation, we can learn some things about God. Creation can tell us about God's greatness. Creation can tell us about His power, His wisdom, His attention to detail. We call this general revelation. We can look at creation and learn some things about God. But creation cannot tell us all that we need to know about God. Creation can't tell us about His love. Creation can't tell us about His grace. It can't reveal to us His holy character, His mercy. Creation cannot explain His plan of salvation or His purposes for His people. These truths cannot be discerned by looking at the clouds or observing a volcano 
or cutting down an apple tree and looking at the trunk. In a similar way to how I need specific instruction when I go to Sam's Club, knowing God personally requires special revelation. This is what I hope that we learn to believe today. The sky declares the glory of God. But the scripture reveals his grace. Psalm 19 begins with these very memorable words. The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The things that his hands have made. What is glory? When we think about glory, we tend to think shiny. Like the crab on Moana, right? I'm so shiny. That's what we think about when we think about glory. That is not what the Bible has in mind when the Bible, especially the Old Testament, uses the word glory. In the Old Testament, the word glory means weight, importance, impressiveness. Glory is not merely something that would make you, you know, sort of have to shield your eyes. Glory is something that takes your breath away and and you sort of take a step back in awe because what you are observing is so impressive, so majestic, so stately. A number of Years ago, Lois and I went to California together, and uh, we had the opportunity to see the Space Shuttle Endeavor in the California Science Museum. Now, this was special for me because I did not grow up wanting to pastor a church. It is now my greatest joy and delight to do this job, but I thought I wanted to be an astronaut. So, having the opportunity to go to the California Science Center and and to see a space shuttle up close, we walked in the door of this massive pavilion that they built specifically to house the shuttle Endeavor. And you see it, and you just can't believe how big it is. How heavy it must be. How impressive it is. Glory. Weighty. Heavy. Impressive. The heavens, the sky, the sun, the stars, the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, all of of these things reveal, declare God's glory. God made them all, and they testify to His impressiveness. How do they do this? Well, the heavens declare the glory of God continuously. Look at verse 2, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. 
Continuously, the heavens are declaring the glory of God all the time. Go out, feel the warmth of the sun on your face when we leave here today. That is declaring the glory of God. Go out some evening when it's getting really cold because there's no cloud cover and drive a few miles out of town and look up and see the expanse of stars in the sky. That testifies to God's glory. The heavens declare His glory continuously. Just go look. Not only do they declare His glory continuously, but the heavens declare His glory abundantly. Do you see it there in verse 2? Day to day pours out speech. It's like a little child who can't stop talking. That's the idea here. Creation is doing this every day, every night, declaring God's glory, and it just gushes out of creation. It can't help but testify to the impressiveness of God. Everywhere you look, creation declares His glory. And yet, ironically, creation doesn't use any words. Do you see it there in verse 3? There is no speech. There is no words. The sky, you don't go outside to hear the sky speaking things. That's what's going on here in verse 3. It's a little confusing, right? Because verse 2 tells us that day to day creation is pouring out speech. But then in verse 3 we read, but there are no words. Well, of course there are no words. But creation declares His glory. Do you know why it matters that there are no words? Because everybody doesn't speak English. So creation declares God's glory continuously, abundantly, and universally because it doesn't need to use words. You just go out and you look up and you see, my God is so impressive. You say, I don't hear creation. I don't hear creation testifying like that. Alice, would you come up and help me? Alice said she would help me with an illustration. This is an illustration for when you say, I don't hear creation testifying to God's glory. I'm going to shut off my mic and whisper to Alice something, okay? I'll be right back. Alice, 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 hey Alice, Alice, what's going on? Either she's deaf, right, or she's just completely ignoring me. This is what the Bible has to say. Thank you, Alice. This is what the Bible has to say. If you say, I don't hear creation testifying to God's glory, either you're deaf or you are ignoring 
creation. Because it is declaring God's glory continuously, abundantly, universally. I wonder if you would humbly ask yourself, could it be that I am deaf to creation testifying of God's glory? Could it be that I am ignoring creation calling out to me the glory of God? Paul comments on this in his letter to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 1 and verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Creation is testifying the glory, the impressiveness of God. His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Look at that last sentence again. So they are without excuse. I'm not sure there's a more sobering statement in Romans chapter 1. Creation declares God's glory. And if you ignore God's glory in creation, the Scripture says you are without excuse. Creation's general revelation of God's glory ought to lead every human being to seek God to trust Him, to worship Him, to tell others about Him. But this is not what human beings do. Paul tells us just two verses before what I started reading. This is what human beings naturally do. We suppress what we can know about God. We press it down. We we don't want to hear creation declaring the glory of God. So we suppress it. It reminds me of of Lois putting away our Christmas tree. Our Christmas tree, it all comes apart in, in various pieces, and then it all has to go into these two big bins. And it requires a little bit of suppressing. It has to be pressed down so that the lid goes on. This is what human beings do Apart from the Spirit of God, we suppress all of the things that we ought to know about God. We don't want to hear them. We don't want to hear creation calling out. We don't want to see the glory of God in creation. So we just suppress it so that we can go on ignoring God. In the second half of Psalm 19, David turns his attention from general revelation 
to special revelation, from what we can observe and experience in creation to Scripture. The sky declares the glory of God, but Scripture reveals His grace. What do we know about Scripture from this text? Well, we know that Scripture is complete. Scripture is trustworthy. Scripture is right. Regardless of your sin and regardless of your suffering, Scripture is sufficient to revive and renew you. Scripture teaches wisdom and discernment. We receive instruction about how God's people are to live. And there's no shame in living for God. Quite to the contrary, even when it's hard, trusting and obeying God makes the heart we read in chapter 19 Rejoice! Scripture is complete and trustworthy and right. Scripture is pure and clean and true. Scripture helps you see God. Scripture helps you see the world. Scripture helps you see your own heart clearly without distortion. Scripture shows us our sin, points our attention to the cross, and teaches us about God's mercy. Scripture speaks into your reality with complete clarity. You can trust God's Word. It is reliable and dependable. In it, we learn of God's grace his goodness towards those who don't deserve it. Scripture is pure and clean and true. Is it any wonder then David sings in verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold reminds me of the dwarfs in the lonely mountain, all of that massive pile of gold. David says, the scriptures are more desirable than much, even much fine gold. And the scripture is sweeter than honey, the most desirable food that you could have. The sweetest, most delectable, most indulgent thing. Scripture is more desirable than that. More desirable than wealth. More desirable than the sweetest pleasure or experience that this world can offer. I have to ask myself, do I desire God's Word more than wealth, more than comfort, more than ease, more than possessions? Do I desire God's Word more than the things that make me happy, the things that I think are going to satisfy me? 
the things that I just have to have, do I desire God's Word more? It makes sense, doesn't it, that David turns and examines his own heart? We would be wise to follow his example. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Creation declares God's glory, His impressiveness. And if you plug up your ears or if you simply choose to stubbornly ignore Him, you are still without excuse. But you have received something more than creation's testimony. You've received more than creation's general revelation. If creation says cheese, the scripture says a two-pack of finely shredded Colby Jack cheese for under $7, it's in the second cooler near the back. You have received so much more revelation. You are more accountable to God because you also have his special revelation. The scripture to point you to Jesus, to reveal to you God's grace to testify of his holiness and his mercy and his steadfast love, of his patience and kindness towards rebellious sinners like you and me. Scripture tells us that God the Father sent his Son, Jesus, to earth. It is only Jesus who is blameless and innocent of great transgression. Hmm? Only Jesus, only Jesus could appeal to God with complete confidence and a perfectly clear conscience by saying, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Only Jesus can do that. I can't say that, and I suspect you can't say that either. We all have hidden faults. We all have blind spots. We all have secret sins. We all have closed off portions of our hearts. But Jesus had none. No blind spots. No rough edges. No secret sins. No skeletons in his closet. You need Jesus. And the scripture reveals him as the friend of sinners. Jesus is kind towards rebels. His heart is tender towards every broken heart. And there are broken hearts here this morning. 
Jesus' heart is tender towards every broken heart. Jesus is patient with prodigals. He cares deeply and personally for every single one of his sheep. He laid down his life on the cross on behalf of his flock. If you have never trusted in Jesus, why not right now? What holds you back from trusting in this one who has loved you to the point of laying down his life for you? What holds you back from trusting in the one who has given you not only creation to experience and observe and enjoy, but his word to reveal to you his heart and his son and his purpose and his plan of salvation? If you are trusting in Jesus, your faith needs God's promises to survive. And you will find those promises right here in God's Word. You cannot love God and not listen to Him. You cannot worship God without knowing Him. Look as often as you can for His glory and creation, and then turn your attention to His Word as often as you can, and see in it His revelation to you of His love and His grace and His Son and His Spirit and His purposes and His plans. If you're going to joyfully imitate Jesus, you need to know the words and the ways of Jesus. You'll find them right here. You have good works to walk in, child of God. How do I know what those good works are? Scripture will equip you. Scripture will teach you. There are disciples to be made, Grace City Church. There's a mission to engage in. How can we teach disciples everything that Jesus commanded without knowing everything that Jesus has commanded? The sky declares the glory of God, but the scripture reveals his grace. So we look for God's glory in a thousand different ways in creation. Ways that we can observe and experience. And then we turn our attention to Scripture. And we see Jesus. His grace. His mercy. His love. His compassion. His patience. His gentleness. His tireless work on behalf of His people. For their good and God's glory. May this be our our prayer today and every day. It's verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, you are good and gracious and kind. 
Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for putting your glory on display in creation. Thank you for the revelation of your grace in Scripture. Would you help us to love Scripture more? To find reading and studying and memorizing and and meditating on it not a drudgery, not a duty, but a delight. This is going to take work in our hearts. And we ask the Holy Spirit to do this kind of work. Change our hearts. And please start that work in my heart. Father, would you draw to yourself today sinners who have never responded to the preaching of the gospel and perhaps for the first time, Jesus and His love and His grace and His mercy are clearer than they've ever been, and your Spirit is at work in their hearts. Please grant life, stir up faith and repentance so that sinners respond by believing in Jesus for salvation. Thank you in Jesus' name for what you have done are doing and will do in our hearts. We give you thanks. Amen.